Welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Jade Mesko. And I'm Clayton Lengelzigich. So, uh, Clayton, uh, earlier this week you had uh, posted on a uh, blog post uh, about step away from the tools. We kind of started a couple of discussions and campfire around here. Uh, and maybe uh, give us a little bit of background on uh, the post, the reason why you posted it in campfire and some of the discussion around that. Yeah, so I think the headline was grabbing, you know, kind of in and of itself, just, you know, step away from the tools, I think, and especially in this industry, everyone gets so caught up in uh, their tools and stupid little things. Um, and so that was just interesting, so I clicked on it. Uh, and then it was interesting to me because I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about um, the way that we do BDD and what does it mean to do BDD and all those things. And I think for a long time, um, you know, Cucumber came along in the Rails community and it was, you could do BDD if you use Cucumber. And okay, that's great. And then... Um, things like WebRat and Capybara came out, and it was like, look at our cool web steps where you can fill out this form. Um, and in her post, she makes reference to a, a post by Dan North about you know understanding the domain language and how it's pretty easy to write. Um, you could write a test that seems like you're doing BDD, but you're really not, um, and it should be kind of at a higher level. And so that's been just been interesting to me lately, um, and, and so I think that's why it kind of stuck. Um, and there have been a few people on the team I've been talking about um, that whole concept with, and so I thought it'd be fun to share with everyone. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because one of the things that I picked up from uh, Liz last time she was out here that I, I really liked was that uh, Agile is the hope killer and hope mm -hmm. is what, you know, basically prevents projects from shipping on time. And I think that, you know, sometimes when we get too focused on tools, the problem that tools are kind of like hope. And so, you know, if I only use this cucumber thing or I only do BDD using these tools, um, then I'm just going to develop better software. And the hope is that, you know, as long as you're writing scenarios, that you're writing good software. And I, I definitely agree that, uh, you know, Dan's kind of focused discovery or deliberate discovery is, you know, most of software development is about having conversations about what software to actually develop. And I think as developers, we like to dive right into the meat and say, let me code, get out of my way and let me code. Just tell me enough information to let me start writing the first line of code and get out of the way and let me do it. Um, in reality, that's where all the problems start coming in. Whereas we do some of that discovery of, oh, you mean there's this other role that doesn't have access to this and this is how it works? Um, when we find those things out four weeks into um, after a feature's been shipped and then we have to basically unplumb everything and add something new, you know, this is where defects get out of control and we just get this kind of crazy spaghetti mess is um, by you know not really listening. And I think that that's a, a definitely... Well, I think, and that's where the resentment starts to build up too. Is well, don't you know how much time I put into this thing, making this awesome ivory tower? Like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how come? You, how come you never told me that uh, there was this user? Right. Um, and I, I think that you know, to me, the takeaway there from the the post for me was the conversations help us uh, discover things. And I think that too often we we really want to write code more than we want to have conversations. And I think that that's. Um, you know, BDD really, to me, isn't about testing. It's about having conversations. And user stories aren't about, um, you know, requirements gathering. They're about, you know, creating opportunities to have future conversations. And so I think for me, the, what the title of that post really started to spark was, you know, what are some other examples of places where we're too focused on tools and not focused enough on the reason why the tools exist in the first place? 
Yeah, I think uh, code coverage is another good place to go from there. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, teams that do get a lot of benefit out of BDD start to get obsessed with, well, how much of my code is covered? And, you know, what does that really mean? And, and it's really easy to lose sight of that. You know, is 100% coverage attainable? Is that even the right thing to be doing, right? We, we get so caught up on trying to get these numbers in place. Um, you know, and the same with, uh, like, uh, losing my words here, um, like complexity analysis. And, oh, like and flogging. Yeah, flogging yeah, cyclomatic sure. okay. uh, checks, things like that. Like, what, what do those numbers really mean to you? And, and what are they trying to tell you? And how do they further the conversation instead of become this place where we get all obsessed about the statistics of it? Yeah, I think it goes back to having – when you have something like that, like a flog or a flare, some score or some number or some thing, uh, you can – it just makes it easy to throw that other stuff by the wayside. You know, it's like I don't have time to have that conversation. I'm trying to get my code coverage up. You know, <laughs> right. It's just like this thing, and everyone can drive towards that, and then, you know, you get to a certain point, and people are kind of standing around like, hmm, wait a second. Like, do we – are we doing something wrong here? Yeah, I think that happens every – you know, there's a cycle – for every different kind of team, you know, maybe it's every six months or every three months or whatever, people kind of realize, like, hey, these tools, like, they sounded really cool three months ago, but I don't know. Like, what are we really getting out of them? I think everyone kind of has some 2020 hindsight every now and again. Right. Yeah, the the last uh, kind of, well, another item for me is tools around process. So, you know, whether that be, uh, you know, I don't want to name names because I'm not trying to, uh, sway one product versus other. I think most digital tools um, to deal with the Scrum process and track user stories and points and velocity and backlog management and a number of those things. I think what I see a lot of teams do is they get so obsessed on the tool um, that they do one of two things. They either want to use a tool because they want to lose accountability. Um, you know, So if you put everything kind of on index cards and you kind of create some, I don't say ritual around it, but there's some visibility and there's some tactile um, kind of writing and you know some wiring of the brain happening, um, a lot of people kind of back off of that and say, you know, I really don't like cards, right? Like either, oh, it hurts my hand too much to have to write them all out or it takes too much wall space or, you know, they're just going to be recycled and you're killing trees whatever, but I usually see that teams that start to do that, they're really focused on trying to either shirk accountability, right? Like, don't treat me like a kindergartner and make me write on a stupid index card with a giant Sharpie and put it on the wall for everybody to see I'm not in kindergarten anymore. Um, or they like tools so that they can legalize behaviors. They can start to say, you know, like, oh, well, you're trended in this, and, you know, and they want to steer the conversation um, to the fact of, you know, your average velocity over the last 39 sprints has been X and and get legalistic about that opposed to saying, you know, what's the root cause of that or how can we improve um, to deal with that, right? It's more of the like, well, let me see what you're doing and let me compare myself to what your my team is doing to your team. Um, what are some of your guys' thoughts about um, using digital tools in process? I was actually thinking about this the other day. Uh, I, same kind of experience where you know I was trying to pass something out with someone, and they were kind of complaining about, oh well, we're just wasting you know we're wasting these cards. It's a waste of time because this is really simple stuff. Blah blah blah. And then I was kind of thinking, okay, um, you know, I guess I I'd always for whatever reason I never really went down that path of this is a waste of time. I kind of just took it as this is a reasonable idea. Like whatever, you know, just go with it. And I was thinking about um, ver the digital tools that exist now. 
could you, you know, could you still do this process um, 50 years ago, 100 years ago? You know, like if you're just doing cards and writing things down and having conversations, you know, like go back to ancient Egypt. You could still do the same thing. But if your process is dependent on, well, in order to be successful or have some measure of this or that, then we need to have these digital tools that require us to keep track of this and do these calculations. And, you know, it's like it just seems like there's so much overhead. But again, if you go back kind of how we started this, if you go back to the idea of, well, let's just have this tool and like if something's going wrong, look at the tool, you know, like I think people get too far into that and they forget that it really can just be really simple stuff. You could just be having conversations and writing stuff down on paper. That sounds so simple, but what else do you need, right? Yeah, I don't I don't want to manage a scrum team in ancient Egypt. <laughs> I, I don't know. The, the pyramids are a pretty successful project, if you ask me. Yeah, you can whip them too. That's, <laughs> that, like, that's true. The law. That's true. <laughs> the scrum whip. <laughs> you know, I I, I think uh, for me the kind of uh, determining point was when I heard somebody say, "Well, we couldn't do that because our tool doesn't do that." Yeah. I don't remember what it was. Is like, oh, we'll mark that as zero, or you know, change to a Fibonacci sequence, or you know, something, or put your estimates in you know, ideal hours or something. And the, and the response from the person was, well, but our tool doesn't support that. That's why I love digital tools. Cause it gives me something to blame other than myself. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I, I think that to me, that's, you know, our, our tools, just a distraction for the most part, kind of going, I think back to what you're trying to get to Clayton is when we really get to the roots of what we do and how we do it and why we do it. Um, I think anytime the tools become a significant part of the conversation, I have to question, are we uh, using them as a scapegoat of some kind, either blaming them for something or look a pony, we should use Vim instead of Emacs, right? Like, I mean, let, let's stop talking about what's really important and start talking about something that's, you know. Well, I came across a blog post this morning that was like, uh, you know, we're here, you know, we're this successful, you know, web shop or whatever, and here's our, like, here's our blog post and how you get set up with, like, Z Shell, our Vim, like blah 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 all these other tools and i'm picturing someone going to that site and being like whoa this is totally awesome and then they're going to spend like five hours getting all that shit set up and then they're going to go back to work and be like hmm okay what was i supposed to do today you know it's like well and i don't know how to use any of these tools at all right so now i'm going to spend the next month figuring out how to become an expert at these tools right and then maybe i'll get some work done well, and I, I think I've definitely gone through that cycle in my career from, you know, I definitely think that good tools are important and understanding your tools are important. But I, I think, you know, this is one of the things for me on the craftsmanship side that I get a little worried about. That I think a lot of people, when they look at the craftsmanship movement, they really start to say, well, in order to be a good gardener, I've got to have the perfect shovel. And in reality, I think to be a good gardener, a really good shovel helps. Um, but I think you can be a really damn good gardener just using your hands. Um, That's like being a – you need a expensive guitar to be an awesome guitar player, right? Like, right. It, that's not necessary. Right. And and I think that, you know, I think part of, you know, to me, how I interpret craftsmanship is uh, is being able to tell the difference in the caliber of the guitar is important. But being able to say, well, I can't do good work because I don't have a good guitar – to me, starts to sound like a cop out. It starts to sound like an excuse, and I think that we've kind of come to this place now that the, you know, we've got so many different competing um, processes and frameworks and movements kind of at foot that I think right now I think sometimes it's hard to be a good software developer 
because there's so much noise that, you know, it's hard to get distracted. You know, I mean, you know, you're either paying too much attention to process, or you're paying too much attention to the tools. And I think what we forgot is that there's a customer and there's a value that we're trying to deliver. And I think that, you know, to me, how do we get back to the roots of saying that's what it's really about? It's about the people, the conversation and providing value. I mean, I think it's about moderation, right? It's about finding the those points where, yes, this is helping us solve a problem, right? So maybe some of our team isn't on site. And so having some sort of digital tool in place uh, is required because that helps facilitate communication better to our distributed team. You know, that that is a, a perfect reality in these days and, you know, would be a good reason to go down that road. Uh, but it's about finding that balance of, well, let's not try to run our the entire business and the entire process through this digital tool. Let's use it to communicate the things that are hard to communicate at a distance, right? And everything else, let's make sure that we keep doing those things because that that's the most effective way. You know, when, when managing the tool takes more time than getting the work done, that's where you have a, a serious problem that you've got to deal with. Yeah, I think if you imagine, uh, you know, imagine a Venn diagram where on one circle it's uh, introvert, and the other circle is I've rolled my own something. You know, it's like they're, they're basically like on top of each other. Right? I want to see that. Yeah, so so I think there's, you know, to be fair, I think a lot of people in this, you know, as software developers, when they hear about here's this new process, and the process is difficult because it requires things that I'm not good at, you know, or things that make me uncomfortable. So the way I can make it easy is if I make a tool that, you know, bypasses those difficult things and now I'm doing Kanban and I don't have to talk to anybody or whatever, you know, like I think people go towards that route because that's how they make the process easy, even though that's not going to make that actually make right. the well, that's process That's how they easy. deflect. Right? Sure. Yeah. And I, th- I think the last thing in uh, kind of Liz's post that, that really was interesting to me was uh, assume you got it wrong. And I think that that's kind of a good life principle, right? Like, I mean, if you kind of always operate is I'm the stupidest guy or gal in the room and I'm probably doing this wrong. Um, it kind of, to me, sums up the whole inspect and adapt, right? If I'm constantly thinking I'm doing this wrong, um, I have to constantly be asking myself, okay, what am I doing wrong? Um, what are some of your guys' thoughts on kind of parting thoughts here? I've had countless number of times where I have been at the end of a planning meeting and I thought, wow, I totally understand what they're saying. And then I repeat something back and it's like, that is totally wrong. And I'm like, okay, you know, and <laughs> I think that, you know, just kind of going over things and that that kind of mentality, even even when you think you really got it right, you know, just really clarifying, um, you know, using different language too. I think a lot of times it's easy to, you think you got something right because you're thinking about it in a certain way using certain words. And then if you say it back or ask a question or kind of phrase it differently, then there's some new little thing that comes out. Uh, but I think that's just great, you know, it, advice in general, but also for, you know, kind of the an, any actual process. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just repeating things back and explaining them in, in your own terms that the way you understood it is, is one of the best ways to gain that clarity from, from all aspects of this process, right? Inter, interpersonal communication on your team to dealing with the product owner, all that stuff. It, it really is all about that communication and finding effective ways to communicate. Until next time, we'll see you. Thanks. Thanks.